Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Armchair Booking Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Silly Steve Barber. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Delicious Dwaylon Davis. Hey, everybody. <laughs> and as a very special guest this week, we have former co-host Kyle, the kid himself. Kyle. Wah. Wah. <laughs> Wah. <laughs> yeah, because compared to me and Dwaylon, uh, he almost is a kid. You know, uh, I'm a baby. Yeah, um, barely, barely in your forties, and me and Dwaylon are almost in our fifties. Yeah, <laughs> you guys got more hair though <clears throat> on our face, but not not much. Well, okay, this right here though, this is a this is a skullet. I mean, this I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it, I told you you've had a skullet for years, but you're getting to the point where you could take the beard and comb it over the top and create your own form of mullet for the mullet championships next year i, I could totally go for that and, <laughs> and for those or, who or are, you could bring the hair around uh, and braid you know, it that, that the, actually they braid oh, it yeah. I, mean, I mean i haven't cut it now in like four and a half years you know so it's and it's curly you can get you some know, some beads i, I, <laughs> I have I have thought about that. Um, <laughs> it's bad enough, you know, that Tawan is threatening to cut it off, you know, cut my beard off while I'm asleep. Uh, but, you know, here soon I might I might just take it down a little bit just because, you know, go for a new look uh, a little bit. So, Well, hold on. You should trade the curio for shaving or trimming the beard. Oh, the, the QBO? The, the, the QBO, as we called it, um, it should be a negotiation. Yeah, Dwayne, I don't know if you saw that where we, we a curio cabinet and it had been sitting empty. And I'm like, I'm gonna put all the, my cubes in there. And Tawana's like, she didn't believe me. So when they came home and all my cubes were in there. <laughs> so we, after that, you know, Kyle named the QBO. The QBO. I yeah, like that. QBO. I like yeah. That. You know, so and then that's when she bought me the the shelf that <laughs> you know I keep them on. Then I got some so you could get, So you could get the cubes out of her curio cabinet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he was he was re- relegated to the back <laughs> of the house. Yep. For his yeah. cubes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but tonight we are going to be discussing the career of one A Arn Anderson, the enforcer of the Four Horsemen, because today is the 25th anniversary of Arn Anderson announcing his retirement live on Nitro. And that that was a pretty, you know, pretty emotional occasion because of yeah. me at first, I mean, I was like, I was watching it when it happened. I was like, is this real? Didn't come to find out. Yeah, it's like he really did retire for Pre- his own health reasons. Free yeah. internet. Yeah. That's, well, so- I mean, I, I had the internet, but it wasn't like it is now. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't have you didn't have Twitter where you can get like pretty much any news story like instantly. So yeah. And the great thing about this was I was living in Las Vegas at this point. We would get Monday Night Nitro at five o'clock at night. Oh, okay. So it was Nitro from five to eight in the overrun, which seemed to happen all of 1997. Yeah, yeah. Go straight into Raw, which had the Hart Foundation angle with Bret Hart at this time. Yep. Oh, it did. Yeah. So this was like the peak of wrestling for me mm-hmm. and so yeah if you lived on the west coast you could you know the monday night wars you could catch both shows 
every Monday without even having to record them. Oh, yeah. Well, you couldn't. Oh, you needed a VCR if people remember what those are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to I used to watch one show and record the other. And depending on what matches they were having, depending on which show I recorded, yeah. which one I watched live. So oh, but before we really get started on that, I do want to give our contact listening info. Kyle, you haven't actually done this in a long time. <laughs> so if you would like to email the show, it's armchairbreakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash armchairbreakingpodcast. You can find us on Instagram also at armchairbookingpodcast. You can find us on Twitter at bookingarmchair. You can find us on TikTok at armchairbooking. You can find us on YouTube on video. That's the only video platform that I know of that we're on. And audio platforms, we're on just about any kind of audio platform you can think of. If we're not there, let one of us know. And we will do whatever we can to get ourselves added. You can go to our merch store, tpublic.com slash user slash armchair dash booking dash podcast. You can find things like shirts. You can find uh, coffee mugs, not the travel mug. They no longer sell those. Made me kind of sad. But the regular coffee mug, they, they, they do still have those. You can get phone cases like this one. Yes. Yeah. See you, Kyle? Yeah. Yep. Uh, you, and the shirts, actually, if you notice, that design has like the reverse of the logo with the the logo normally has red letters, white ring. This one has white letters, red ring. And you get a, if you're going back to wearing the mask because of COVID, it actually has some of those. I mean, just all sorts of things you can get at the merch store. Uh, you can also find Joylin on his Twitter at fat underscore daddy 73. Yeah. And, and also his YouTube and his TikTok. Just go look up uh, Big and Fat because he is a fat daddy and, you know, the other half of the big mama. Yeah. And you can find my other podcast, uh, the cubicle chat on any audio platform and that one also on twitter at uh cubicle underscore chat have i missed anything uh no i believe you got it all well no you have a new platform that you were trying to get did did you get it we i, I have not been able to successfully get like youtube music apparently that's one you can do but i don't know if you have to pay to get back on that one and i'm already paying as freaker enough money as it is <laughs> yeah you know so um and you know so that is one i would love to see if i can get on sirius xm but that one's a long shot that's a stretch goal you know if we can get on that that would be just absolutely oh yeah golden. that'd be amazing yeah uh but i don't even know if they have any wrestling podcast on their podcast channels uh actually uh busted busting yeah. open is on there. ah that one is i think that one's like number one in the rankings yeah the 30-minute um, highlight show. Is that what that what I haven't even really listened to Bustin' Loose. And I'm actually going to look and see if we are in the ratings right now while we're talking about it. And we are not currently in the top 200 because we we have made it all the way up to in the 80s as far as like the top 200 wrestling mm -hmm. uh, podcasts. You know, but I mean, it's so hard and I don't know how the algorithm works. So I mean, it's kind of hard to go push for ratings. However, yeah. if you want to give us a rating, you can always do that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. They they actually have rating systems on there. And on Apple Podcasts, you can actually give us a written review. So there we go. There we go. And I do want to talk about some news real quick with AEW because Dwayne sent me a text earlier and said, oh my God, all sorts of stuff is happening in <laughs> AEW. And there was literally, yeah, where I, the cubicle I was, where the guy was sitting with, the guy on the other side of him, like right after you sent that text and said a lot of stuff happening, he was telling his friend, hey, you need to watch AEW. There's a lot of stuff happening. I'm like, 
<laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I, I was like, do you know Dwaylon or something? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but he was talking the same thing that you were texting me about Moxley beating Punk in three minutes. Yeah, I and, mean, it was a, it was a squash. I, 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 me personally, it's been very divisive on Twitter. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people loved it. I'm in the latter. I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, they they kind of blurred that line where you don't know if he's if Punk's legitimately hurt because he was selling he was selling the foot that he broke and had surgery on. So you don't know how much is legit and how much is a work, which for me is the best thing when when they do that in wrestling. And Mox looked just dominant. And I got what I wanted because I wanted Mox to unify the titles anyway. So it worked out good. <coughs> Excuse me. I just don't buy Mox as a MMA fighter like that. Not that CMA, CM Punk is any better going 0-2 in the UFC. Well, Mox not is a more of a uh, – Mox is not really like um, – his character's not really MMA. It's just like a street, street brawler. fighter. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like a street brawler, um, so it's, which is the only thing, which is what they didn't let him do in WWE. He's been that way yeah. everywhere else, but you know, before and after WWE. So yeah, go ahead, Kyle. The kick to his lower calf, that hurts. Legit, <laughs> I bet. It, that that like does that, hurt. That hurts really bad. But him throwing it, uh, I I don't know. I think I do side with Cornette on his punches, um, not registering very well. Him not selling in these brawls that he's so good at. Mm-hmm. He's an excellent leader. Yeah. So, uh, but when we were, we've been talking about you know CM Punk. And Kyle, I had to bring up what you had said about him a long time ago, and you described him as as a malcontent. Which mm-hmm. that's why I was Perfect. like when he when he came back last year, I was like, let's see how long it takes for that other shoe to drop. Yeah, and and he starts going me 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 me, and you know it took a year, and he's now he's back to going me 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 me. Yeah, um, I well, see this. I see this as a heel turn. I think I think we're going to get full blown heel punk now because. He's done the babyface thing, but with with everything swirling around him, backstage stuff, it makes more sense just to have him as a heel instead of trying to can keep pushing him as a face. What's going to happen with MJF? Uh, Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. If he doesn't show up at all out, then I don't know when he's coming back because, I mean, that would be the absolute perfect time for him to show up. Um, rumor has it that they're going to do Mox and Punk again at All Out because it is in Chicago and, you know, you got Punk with – because this – the first – you know, the match last night, Moxley basically had, you know, home field advantage because they were in Ohio. So – at all out if they do the rematch punk gets home field advantage because they're you know right outside chicago so that would be the perfect time in my mind for mjf to show up uh either 
challenge the winner, attack both guys, something. Because, I mean, he's still under contract till 2024 unless unless Tony Khan just decides I'm done with him and just cuts him loose, which Tony Khan is, hasn't done in the entire short history of AEW. So let's go with a prediction. MJF, Joker entrant in the casino battle royal. Ooh. They are yeah, they and, are doing the they are doing the casino ladder match. Yeah, they are. That's and a, that's a good one. I didn't think cash of that. In, a cash in in Chicago against the winner of the main event. He could. MJF yep. leaves Chicago as champion. Yeah. As the champion. And then you've got two built-in feuds. He could either feud with Punk. They have history. He could feud with mm-hmm. Moxley. They have history. So you've got two oh. built-in world title feuds for him off the and bat. That's 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 a good prediction. I like that. And then you got Wardlow hanging in the background. Yep, that is true. Yep. Uh, so you you have three now. Tony Khan doesn't look like that, but may, maybe he should start listening to some people because malcontent is a word that is going around the AEW locker room in all these pages. There's yeah. more than yeah. one malcontent right now on the yeah. roster. Um, yeah. Eddie Kingston just, just finished serving a suspension because uh, he swung at Sammy Guevara backstage. I honestly can't blame him for swinging at Sammy Guevara because <laughs> he has a face you want to punch, but um, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's stuff like that, and it's like there's issues with Thunder Rosa backstage. There's a lot. Well, she's not very well liked in the women's locker room. Uh, some women are saying she's way too, you know, way too stiff in the ring and things of that nature. And then she's out with an injury. Um, I read earlier, I think it was on PW Insider, that it's um, a disc in her back that's oh, no. given, oh. her, given her problems. So she's she's not going to be defending the women's title. They're going to have a fatal four-way to determine an interim women's champion until she's able to come back or if she's able to come back. So, But we got that. But, yeah, there's a lot of backstage issues in AEW. And, I mean, you have that in any wrestling company, but – like you said, Kyle, Tony Khan's got to get that under wraps because the this company's too young mm-hmm. to have to have that kind of turmoil backstage. Yep, and, and, and there's not the leadership structure. No, there's not. Uh, because I mean, say what you want about Triple H. I mean, he is a leader. I mean, and he's not afraid mm-hmm. to, you know, do lead, even if it means sacrificing himself. Even though, you know, of course, I mean, we know. There's been some talk about all oh, Triple H is off on himself, you know. In some ways, yes, but when it comes to the organization, when it comes to the company and wrestling in general, he's not. He does not believe he's bigger than the sport itself. Right, right. You nice. know, uh, Tony Khan has put some other people in place to kind of have a little more structure. He's added more people to um, talent relations so that there's a better communication. Because that was a lot of an issue too. Was the lack of communication. Of course, they only had one person. Christopher Daniels was the only person that was doing talent relations. So a lot of stuff fell to the cracks. You got one person trying to deal with, you know, a full roster of people. Not everybody's 
communication is not always going to be there. So he's got more people involved in that. And then, of course, you know, you still got Kenny Omega and the Bucks who are, you know, EVPs. And they're doing more as far as talking with talent. There's some more people in the coaching section and things. So I think he's realizing that he can't do it all by himself. So I'm just hoping he gets all this other stuff under wraps because for me, AEW puts out too good of a product to let, like you said, Kyle, malcontents ruin it. Yeah, I'm not an Eddie Kingston fan. He's pretty much the bag boy at Walmart for me. I don't. I like Eddie Kingston. He's I always have though. I've watched him on the independents. I watched him in Impact Wrestling. He's just, you know, he gives you that that element of realism that you don't get a lot of times. It's like you believe he's going to come out there and beat the crap out of somebody. You be, for me, it's like he makes everything he says is very believable. And there's always there's been a few, of course, you know, guy we're going to talk about later, Arn Anderson was like that. Arn's you believed Arn was going to come out and beat the crap out of you. You believed everything he said. And um, I just like, I like Eddie. I like the fact that he's been open about his mental health issues because a lot of people, especially men don't want to, you know, admit to that kind of thing. So that's, but, a, that's a whole discussion. Um, you see it on your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I, I've mentioned in text to Steve, the battles we face that we don't really have anyone to talk to about. It it is different. Now, mental health aside, I wouldn't pay to watch Eddie Kingston wrestle. (laughs) (laughs) I would. Don't don't sugarcoat it, Kyle. I mean, how do you feel about it? (laughs) And I mean, he's not for everybody. I mean, I get it. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't like Eddie Kingston. I'm just, I, me personally, I'm a fan. I mean, you know, we were saying not too long ago, it's like, yeah, I'd like to see him get like a run because he's been around a while and he's really worked his butt off. And he's kind of like Mick Foley where, yeah, you can put the belt on him. You're not going to put it on him for very long, you know, but you can put the belt on him. But getting suspended, though, like a real life suspension. Yeah. Does not do him any favors. No. And the thing is, though, he admitted that he was wrong. He he posted on Twitter and because somebody asked him about it and he said that, you know, Sammy did what he did, and everybody knows, you know, everybody backstage knows it, but he's like, I was wrong for being unprofessional. I've got to do better than, yeah. you know, I've got to, he said, I've got to react better than what I did. He said, and I was, I was wrong and I was unprofessional. So I respect the fact that he took accountability for the fact that he messed up. For Eddie Kingston, I, you're you're a hundred percent right. Sammy Guevara is someone you just want to walk out inside. <laughs> yeah, um, he's like he's like the Miz. He's just got that face, and it's just like just looked up at the face. I just yeah. You know. <clears throat> and, and having Tay Conti on his side, it's not helping his punchability no. factor. No, because it's make gosh, there it's making. I I'm a fan of Sammy Guevara, the wrestler. Once the bell rings. I'm a fan of his in-ring work. But the character stuff is just annoying. And then him and Ty Conti, who, you know, is his wife in real life, 
they just amp up the annoyance. And I know that's part of their heel gimmick, but it's like, can we dial that back a little bit? Because it's just, when well, they come on screen, I'm just like, when's this over? <laughs> can we get well, to the next segment, please? So so they are pushing them like the Miz. Yes, they're, they're, yes. they're, like, they're pushing them like the Miz and Maurice. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, we're going to get to the end of Arn Anderson here. A hot take for a YouTube clip. Is Sammy Guevara... This generation's X Pac. Oh, ooh, wow, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, the the heat that they the heat that he's generating is very similar to it's getting the go away heat. Yeah, it's yeah, it's getting to be like just. Yep. Yeah, and X Pac was the same way. It got to where once the bell rang, I was always entertained by Xbox by X Pac in the ring. <laughs> I said Xbox. And the Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. I was always entertained by Xbox in the ring, but everything else got on my nerves. Yep. (laughs) His mullet, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, next next week it's Steve Xbox Barber. (laughs) Yeah. We'll we'll tell you what, no, no, Dwayne, Dwayne saw the, well, both the mullets I had back before the Air Force. The one I had when we graduated, then I cut it off. Uh, a couple months later and then i grew it right back out again a couple years and then i cut off right before i I went to basic training you know i remember when you cut it off as soon as you cut it you're like i should i shouldn't have done that (laughs) (laughs) closest i got to hairstyles was uh we had decided to bleach our hair blonde so i had a daniel pewter Blonde oh. Oh, no. haircut for a week and oh. that was the week i bought clippers from the, the base like, px yeah. and that was it because I, I got in so much trouble for my blonde blonde hair yeah so you were in tech school tech school I'm guessing yep yeah <laughs> so wow well the things you do in tech school that, that kind of you know makes sense actually so that, that that was my favorite base, good fellow. Um the the amount of things to do in Goodfellow that were non-productive for an 18-year-old <laughs> young man. Hair dye is probably number 22 on the list of things <laughs> that I shouldn't have done in Texas. Yeah. So but we go. We do need to go ahead and get on with the main topic. I mean, I thought I'd even segue bring up Brock Anderson. But I was like, you know what? I don't really know what Brock Anderson is doing too much, except for he's in AEW. Yeah, he's so, been on dark. He's been on dark and elevation mainly. He's still, you know, he's still up and coming. He's still training, and but he's. I mean, he. I think he's going to be good. Okay, so I mean, is his dad training him? Yeah, a little, a little bit. Uh, no, Brock Doug, is in. His super Olympia phase of, yeah. of Arn's career. Yeah. So put him under a mask. Let him learn to work. He's he's too fresh to be an Anderson. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, you look at him and it's like, it's I mean, it's literally like looking at Arn's when he was oh. that age. And it's like, that's, I agree. That's at this stage of his career. It's not going to do him any favors to get pegged as, you know, an Arn Anderson clone because nobody else can be Arn Anderson. I mean, Mm-mm. doesn't matter how good the kid is, 
he doesn't need to he doesn't need to have that kind of shackle on him. He's got the Anderson name, but he's enhancement talent. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same as Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah. He could yep. be great, but not with what they're doing with him right now. Yeah, I agree. Oh, so Arn Anderson, also known as Martin Anthony Lundy, born yep. September 20th, 1958. The man is 63 years old. So you know the other thing about Arn Anderson here? What's the other he, thing? He and I share a birthday. Oh, not, okay. Not the same year. But... No, not, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, but September 20th. There we go. I have to remember that, uh, Dwayland. Yep. So um, just 22 years apart. Yeah. 19, 1980, Kyle, or 1979. 1979. 79. So, uh, 21 years. So, uh, Arn Anderson was just became legal to drink whenever you, the day you were born. <laughs> oh, he'd been drinking for three years. Well, they, oh, that's right. Because in the 70s, yeah, it was eight in 18, a lot of places still. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow, and then in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, if you if you went to the Copper Still, not the one by where Joylan lived, but another one, another road, you could buy it at any age. They didn't care. Oh yeah, they didn't care. Yeah, the one the one on Greenville Road. Yeah, they didn't care. Oh anyway. yeah, if you had <laughs> money in your hand, that that's all they cared about. But yeah, Kentucky at twenty one, you're you're on your second marriage. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Some people were. Yeah, we knew some people who were on their second marriage at twenty one. Yeah, uh, which is really sad, but uh, but yeah, so. He actually wrestled under his real name, but he also wrestled at, like I said, Super Olympia, mm-hmm. and you know, mostly in Continental, and you know, which is based around Pensacola, which I actually happen to like Pensacola a lot because that's where I went to tech school. And you know, he was doing pretty well. And if you've listened to his podcast and he talks about his time down in Pensacola, I mean, it just sounds like the absolute life because. You know, he um, he had his apartment, but he went and stayed. They were on Pensacola, or they went to the beach like every day. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't travel a ton. You know, it wasn't until he went to Mid South later on that. Yeah, but yeah, they did all that traveling. Then he went back to Pensacola, and you know, because he had also met Aaron, his wife. And there's a little bit of an age there. I didn't know this until you start talking about it on his podcast. He was like around 26, and she was like 17. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, when oh, they wow. start dating. No you know? comment. Yeah, so that didn't go over very well with her family at first. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, you think of Continental uh, and, and Arn Anderson, with that short of distance driving, the death rate amongst Continental wrestlers is a lot lower. True. So with the distances traveled, um there's a, a lot fewer fatalities from the Fuller family who ran Continental versus other territories where uppers, downers to, to stay up and make those drives. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never even thought about it like that. I mean, it's a good point because like Mid-South was known for their just – if you ever saw like their loop, I mean, they're driving like 400 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Just at least just to get to the next town. And so it's like, you know, they got very little sleep because while well, you're driving or maybe swapping out drivers, like I said, you know, you're taking uppers and downers to 
yeah. maintain whether you need, you need to sleep or you need to not need to sleep. And, yep. and that, that territory, like how he got out of mid South and all he does is drink beer. Like, like really um, for those drives, he, he, he came out really well for an eighties wrestler Mm-hmm. That lived the lifestyle of a horseman. Yeah. But when he went to... And, and go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. Do you think that's because of his commitment to to Aaron, his wife, that we didn't know about at the time, or him as a human being? Because he openly says he wasn't really into that stuff. You know, I mean, it... Um... <laughs> I think probably a combination of all of the above. I mean, because uh, you never hear stories about Arn Anderson stepping out on Aaron. You never hear him. Yeah. I mean, they say he drinks, you know, and he's talked about that, but he was not like a lush like some of his um, peers. Yeah. Well, that's like that's like with uh, the Click. They were kind of the same way. You know, Triple H was the he's the a teetotaler. Yeah, he was the straight guy, and <laughs> and then after that, it would be. Nash would be the next closest one because Nash Nash drank, but I don't think he did any. I don't even think he did any hard drugs or anything. And uh, but yeah, it's it's like there's always one in a group that's just like, no, that's not for me. Y'all <laughs> y'all go ahead. I'll I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. But the first time I saw Arn Anderson was in minute when he first came to Mid Atlantic, and that was in late '84. And he immediately got into a feud with Raging Bull and Manny Fernandez. And I, when I was watching that, and Arn Anderson, his finishing move at the time was the Gourd Buster. Yep. Which, if you don't know what a Gourd Buster is, you know, for those listening at home or watching on the video, I, I'll do kind of give a demonstration, you know, with an invisible man. It's like they hold him up for a vertical suplex, straight up, and then straight back down on their face. Yep. And, you know, he's actually talked about that on his podcast, that even though it, it's almost like the DDT, they say if you if you flatten out, it, it actually looks devastating, mm-hmm. but you flatten out and you actually barely even feel anything. Right. He said, but a lot of guys were just, they were afraid to take the move because, I mean, you're coming straight down on your face. Yeah. yeah. And but that was his finisher for a while. And well, now they say, well, you know, now he has a spine buster. The spine buster was never really a finisher. I mean, it was a setup move, but it was never no, really a finisher. Yeah, it was usually a setup move. And then a move or two later, he'd hit the DDT and right. end it. Now, him and Tully, when they were a tag team, they used the double gourd buster. Double gourd and, and the spike pile driver. And the spike, and, yeah, and the spike pile driver. But they did use the double gourd buster for a while. And when um when he first went against Manny and they actually had that match on regular TV, which was like, oh, they're mm-hmm. having a... And he beat Manny Fernandez with the Gord Buster, one, two, three. And I'm like, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but he just beat the Raging Bull. The Raging Bull is one of my favorites. And so now I'm scared of him. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, and but yes, I mean, I was like, okay, this guy, you know, this Arn Anderson guy who they're, you know, they're saying might be a cousin of Ole. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he's for real. You know, th- this yeah. dude is for real. And but think about that. Um, a lot of people think about wrestlers who innovate stuff. Arn Anderson invented the Gourd Buster and he invented the Spine Buster. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the Gorg Buster you never see anymore just because it, for whatever, I think somebody needs to bring it back. Yeah. Along with the slingshot suplex. Yep. And, you know, but the spine buster, just about every wrestler does their version of a spine buster. Yeah. And almost too many. Yeah. I agree. Almost too many. Um, Right now, I think Powerhouse Hobbs probably has the best spine buster right now just because his size and, you know, he's quick with it too. Um, I always thought Bobby Roode had a good one. Triple H's H's was always hit or miss. Uh, Well, for me, Triple H, his his was the closest that came to Arn Anderson. If you look at the technique Mm -hmm. and everything, grandma's spin, boom. Uh, but then Ron Simmons, his was just, he just threw him down like a sack of trash. Oh, Ron Simmons <laughs> was just like, get away, get away from me. <laughs> yeah. But Arn, Arn Spinebuster almost looked like, when he made the turn, it looked so quick, it was like slow motion, though. It was yeah. like, it's like he picked the guy up and do the twist, and it's like he paused, like he's telling the guy, this is about to hurt really bad. <laughs> and then he dropped the guy. Yeah. And he never got him really high off the ground. No. no. So the the strength in that, mm-hmm. uh, yep. the reduction in the back force, uh, Mick Foley talked about taking a spine buster and how much that hurt because your legs were out, your hips were out because you're yep. basically the guys in between your legs. Yeah. But the, the snap and the just the blunt power that has to come to pick a man – six inches off the ground and snap him like that is yeah. really impressive. Yes, absolutely. And a powerhouse Hobbs. We talk about a slingshot suplex. I met that man in Baltimore. Did you really? And, at Celeb Fest. He was up here. And I was talking to him in a vending line. And I, I did not pay to do his photo. He was not part of my grouping. But that man is so much bigger than me and just thicker <laughs> as I stood next to him. And I, I go, damn, I am a big guy and I am a runt compared to you. <laughs> but you would be perfect to do a slingshot jackhammer. Oh, that, that you know would what? be impressive. Yeah. That that would be so unique. There's very few that could pull that off. And we were talking about that in the vending line. Because if I was strong enough to do that to everyone, that would be my move in a wrestling <laughs> ring. Slingshot jacket. I like that. Yeah. And the NWF, I don't know if you know anyone. Um, not Adam Schweezy. Uh, anyone I've seen on the video so far, but there has to be someone strong enough that can do that move. Because oh, you have um, I'll have to go through their roster that, um, well, I know, because I mean, I haven't been able to catch as many other events here lately that I used to be able to just because I just haven't been able to have been gone um, or supposed to be gone. And, you know, I hate that I've missed – I actually missed a Mount Orb show. He's 10 minutes away from my house, and I missed it because we were down in Florida. I tried to talk to my wife, but... I bet Big Mama could pull it off on the female roster, too. Uh, She might. Um, 
Yeah, Dwaylon, if we have her back on the show, we'll have to ask her. Yeah, we'll have to ask her about that. Yeah. But a slingshot jackhammer, that's that's the way to go. Uh well, you know what? Kimba suplexed or body slammed uh DC. Did he really? Yes. Ooh. So that could yeah, that could work. Because Kimba, I mean, he you know, he's got some power behind him. Um, and I was thinking Tiny Tim, because Tiny Tim, I mean, he he's just muscle yeah you know uh because he also does yeah kyle you like him he he does uh what was, it was a power lifting or bodybuilding on the thing side do you remember mm, i think it was bodybuilding okay yeah i have, have to ask him next time i'm at church too how he's come along with that because when he got hurt you know of course he had to <coughs> slow down for a bit because um yeah he got yeah he had a little bit of a hernia and so it kind of mm-hmm. set him back for before a bit <laughs> yeah yeah, not fun at all. No. And I mean it was bad if he had to have surgery for it. You know, so um you know, but uh to see you know Arn kind of swing it back 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 to Arn with one move that I think they should bring back but then with the spine buster, like we said, everybody has their version of it. And so Arn's left his legacy with that. And then he's also also one of the best talkers in the game because you believed every word he said. Yes, there are times where I will just type in YouTube Arn Anderson promos and just just let it play because it's like he had some of the best promos, in my opinion, in wrestling history. Arn is easily in my top five favorite wrestlers ever. Yeah. I first I first saw him when uh, it's on an episode of. Uh, championship wrestling um with him and Oli were the national tag team champions no and (laughs) yeah um i don't remember the exact episode i just know they cut an interview and then went to the ring and just dismantled (laughs) these two guys i mean and like steve austin said it best he's like they would just take a body part and just render it useless Mm -hmm. and that's missing Big yeah. time, because yeah. the one thing Arn Anderson every match, and it was never the same. Just pick a body part. Yep. Take the dude out. Yep. And with Andersons and Arm, uh, they got a leg a couple times. It was usually only as a kid. I would have been five, six years old watching TBS, mm-hmm. and it was. Arn holding the dude and Oli yep. coming off the top with yes. that knee. Yes. Yep. Yep. Busting, busting that dude up. Yeah. And they'd make the dude submit to an arm bar. Yeah. A basic move. It's a but, basic I mean, arm bar. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that's even more, you know, making the guy feel even more milky. It's like, <laughs> I had to submit yeah. to an arm bar yeah. because, I mean, they just, his arm was coming out of socket from all the other damage they had done to it, you know, because, yeah. uh, Arn, I saw Arn do this more than Oli, but he put him in the hammerlock, mm-hmm. you know, and he reached with his left hand and hold the hammerlock there, reached, scooped in the legs and slammed them on top of their arm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then, and like he would do that, that would be like within like the first couple of moves that he did. And as soon as, as soon as he did that hammerlock slam, it was like, well, that guy's about to lose his arm because Arn's going to work that yeah. arm the rest of this match. Yep. And you knew it going in. You knew whatever body part he first zeroed in on, 
he never deviated from that. He always, because a lot of guys you see in wrestling now, they'll start out working, say they work, start working on somebody's right knee. Then they'll turn around and start working on their arm. And it's like, stay yeah. with the knee. That <laughs> You started that, stay with that. And Arn always stayed with whatever body part he started working with. And never repeated a body part that was worked on in another match on the card. And that's something I don't yes, appreciate yeah. until I was much older mm -hmm. and more sophisticated as a wrestling fan. That when you watch a Starcade, an early Starcade, and you see Arn and Ole, they don't work a body part that someone else worked right. in the rest of the, yep. rest of the card. Yeah, because the match before theirs, they probably would have worked on like a leg or something. If yeah. they're finishing moves with figure four, yeah, they'd be working on their leg. And so yep. they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't tear up the arm, whereas the Angels, a, they were going to tear up your arm. Yeah, and especially once the Horsemen became a thing, they would work. They would work the leg, but they would work it different than Flair because they knew yeah. Flair's. They knew when Flair was in his match, he's working the leg to set up the figure four, but the Andersons would work the leg so they could break it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. one of my one of my most vivid memories watching wrestling was the bunkhouse stampede where the horsemen <laughs> were the final four. Yes. I and love that. Yeah. Arn goes over, Tully goes over, and Lex throws JJ and they take the <laughs> chair and they don't clip his leg like you would in football. They hit him with Honestly, an elementary school chair. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. In the upper hip. Yeah. Yep. And Ooh. you have JJ holding them out, Tully in a figure four, and Arn doing the splash on the figure four. Mm hmm. Yep. Wow. Oh. And the visual in that, because Luger could sell a beating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Luger was. I will. No, Luger does not get enough credit for his selling. He he was always, especially like you said, he could always sell a beating. So that was that was really I I didn't get the horseman until much later, till I got the internet. Mm -hmm. The early horseman. I got the Barry Windham, Lex Luger, honestly, Lex Luger horseman uh in 87. Then he leaves the Horseman bunkhouse. Him and Barry win the tag team championships against Arn and Tully. Yep. And then the match where Barry turns on Lex. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Slams him, does the lariat, and then Luger looks at him. Not Luger, but Arn looks. Yeah. Like and shot. Barry Barry does the symbol. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, because speaking of, you know, watching somebody do a perfect, perfect move, I tell people, if you want to see like the best lariat, like any single lariat ever, because Barry Wyndham had a great one to begin with, but the best example was in that particular one. Yes. Where he hit yep. Luger with it. Because yep. I mean, he went airborne. Barry Wyndham's six, six. Yeah. And he went airborne parallel with the ground and just, ugh. and just, yeah. And just caught him. Just a gifted that was the clothesline from hell before JBL pulled it off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is well, you know what? Maybe Barry taught it to him because when they were the new blackjacks. That's true. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. 
Like so far, I like berries better. Well, yeah. JBLs, I mean, it's devastating. I mean, that one didn't look like it felt good. I like JBLs better when he was in the Acolytes yeah. than when he was WWE champion. Yeah, I can I can yeah. get behind that. Um, he, he didn't really beat anyone as champion. Yeah. That was a big man to be a coward heel. Yeah. But and I mean he did a good job being a cowardly heel. I mean, and you gotta have those in wrestling, so but you guys are more seasoned wrestling fans. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying old. <laughs> <laughs> so um what moments do you remember WCW NWA at that period? Uh most of the key moments involved Arn. Arn. Yeah. Did yeah. I? Yeah. I agree. Uh, Michael Hayes has said several times in different interviews, especially talking about the horseman, he's like, with I with there would be no horseman without Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson was the glue. Mm-hmm that held that group together. He was, you know, he was the linchpin. And when he, when he first stole the, the television title belt from Dusty <laughs> and was walking around <coughs> calling himself champion. And he said, I got the belt that makes me the champ. And he was defending it. Yeah. You know, until Dusty finally, you know, hit him with a chair and, and during the interview, I mean, and he hit him hard too. Oh yeah. And he, and he took it back and that's when he surrendered it because they were, it was being held up anyway, because Dusty had that broken leg Yeah, and they had the tournament and Arn actually beat Wahoo in the mm-hmm. final to win the belt. Yeah. You know, it, cause I mean, that's just something about Wahoo McDaniels put Arn Anderson over Manny mm-hmm. Fernandez, put him over Dusty, yeah. put him over because they recognized this guy has got, yeah, a serious amount of talent, and he's got the charisma, and everything, and he's going to go far, and we're just going to help him along the way on his journey. And but I was trying to think, has Arn Anderson ever been a face instead of a heel? Because I really, uh, I mean, uh, there were times during, there were some times during like mid nineties, uh, like before, before the NWO, there would be times where he would be a face but it was just really short like when him and flair feuded yeah uh, that time they had that match at fall brawl arn was the face of course you know that all ended up being a setup turn on saying and reform the horseman which was yeah which was (laughs) fantastic my sister hated it because she was a sting fan but (laughs) i loved it so it was good but um every now and then they were he was a face by default when the nwo came in because the horsemen were faces by default, um, but not very often. Arn was most Arn was a heel most yeah, of the time. I, I think he was so great as a heel because I mean, you just wanted to see him get beat, but you knew he wasn't going to get beat. Yeah, and, and not very often. A, even as a heel, he was respected. The fans yeah. respected him. Yeah. In ECW, he got cheered, but that's, that's the yeah. fan base. Yeah, but yeah. Smoky Mountain is the only time I can remember him getting a true face pop. But when he was, was the- when he was under the sheet, he was the mystery. Yep. He was the mystery partner for the Rock and Roll Express. That's right. Yep. Yep. He did because yeah. Cornette pulled the sheet off, and that crowd just lost their mind. So that was that may have been the only time, and. Talk about face pops when he partnered with Hulk Hogan. 
against Ric Flair towards the end oh, of WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, now, my favorite moment was him beating Hogan in uh, on an early edition of Nitro. Yep, that's right. He did. And, and that says something because Hogan didn't lay down for much of anybody. <laughs> that'll, no. work, that'll work for me, brother. Yeah, that'll work for me, brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> but, like, but, you, you think of the world television title – Anytime anybody ever talks about it, the first person I think of is Arn Anderson. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, the the classic world TV title that had the red leather. It's yep. like, I in love that silver. belt. Yeah. And the silver plate. Yeah. I love that belt. And I always think of Arn, you know, whenever I anybody mentions that belt, because he was just, you know, he was the face of that championship. And, yeah. and that's missing with him being a coach in AEW, the television title with the time limit, that is a missing element in today's TV shows. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The only thing that comes close is like the, uh, the TNT championship, how they do the open challenges. That's it's like as close as we've got today to the old, uh, television title where they would defend it every week. Because that, that was something Saturday night you would always see Arn Anderson mm-hmm. yep. 10 minute time limit and that was it. Yeah, and I always loved Arn's promos like before a, a TV title match because he's like, he's like, I'm the champion. I don't have to beat him. He's He's got 10 <laughs> minutes to beat me. <laughs> yeah, and, and- and I was I was thinking actually the very first TV champion I remember actually was oddly enough was Tully because when I first started watching mm-hmm. wrestling Tully yep. was the TV champ and he was doing that ten minute uh, time limit thing and Tully threw in ten thousand dollars yeah yeah yep you know so uh, and of course Dusty was the one who eventually got it because that's yeah, the way, that's the way it rolled of course um, yeah and he got Baby Doll out of the deal too yeah because Baby Doll joined it during that time too that's right yep. mm-hmm. and but. Arn Anderson, you talk about him being a worker's worker. He took a swarmy runt that was honestly is still not the most liked human being in wrestling, Tully Blanchard. And <coughs> that was the worker. Tully was still the weasel. And they made that work for years. Like, who had a better wwf title run besides demolition in the 80s than the brain busters that's true uh arn and tully that is my favorite tag team ever they you know they were never flashy they didn't need to be they went in and just beat people and it was you know it was just so technical because I'm a huge fan of technical wrestling and they were both just extremely technical the way they cut the ring off the way they would you know work a body part things like that and like Arn was always the centerpiece and not just with Tully but with Bobby Eaton Paul Roma you know anybody else he ever won tag titles with Arn was that centerpiece that made that made that machine work because I, I remember WrestleMania five, 
would have been their first. I think they're yeah, because they did do six and then they left shortly after. Mm-hmm. But Tito Santana hitting Martel, that match was against the Brainbusters. Yep. Oh, yep. that's when Strike Force broke up. Yeah. And that's when Strike Force broke up. The perfect opponents for that to happen and that angle was Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Yep. Yep. Because Tito hit Tito hit Martel by accident. And then the uh the brain busters ended up hitting the spike pile driver on Tito. Yep. yep. And, and that's when Rick Martel turned heel, which I that one shocked me because Rick Martel, I remember him as AWA world champion. He was kind of a white meat baby face. I never thought yeah. he would turn heel. Yeah. And then I said, oh, Rick Martel's a bad guy. And he's calling himself the model. What the crap is this? Yeah. <laughs> but, but for, for that time, it, it worked, though. Yes. He may, I mean, he did. He was a really good heel. So, yeah. But you know who would know about the hills, Dwayland, whether Arn Anderson? Ted. Ted. Ted the Hillbilly Hill. Kyle, yeah. if you haven't listened to Ted's podcast, you, you Truth, need to. It's oh, good. Dude, yeah. I mean, he is absolutely fantastic. He really, he breaks a lot of stuff down. And, uh, I mean, he, he he listens to us as well. So we support him. He supports us. And we've been on his show. He's been on our show. And you got to check him out. So tell everybody, go check out The Heel Truth. There's The Real Truth and there's The Heel Truth. He is trending number one in Antarctica, number one on MySpace, award-winning, critically acclaimed. <laughs> and if you don't believe he is, prove that he's not. Yep. You got to prove it. You got to prove he's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, check that's him. the thing about being a heel that Arn Anderson says: as long as you have a little kernel of truth, yep, you can exactly. run. Exactly. Yep. Sounds like he's been listening to Ted. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I'm, definitely I'm the check most him out. Man in Maryland, and prove it otherwise. <laughs> uh, but Kyle, aren't you Michigan's uh, second most favorite export? I am Michigan's second greatest export. Uh. Behind the car. There you go, Dwayne. There you go. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, we, we have Thank legends you. that just we have I legends know. that just get attracted to us, you know, <laughs> like magnets. <laughs> so. And then uh, the Brock Lesnar. Um, what was it? Uh, stun gun, four friends. Oh, uh, I would. I, yes, right. You said I wouldn't fight him with a shotgun, a stun gun, and four friends. <laughs> 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 I still remember that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Well, Arn Anderson, gang warfare was something the horsemen were gang mentality with the horsemen. Yep. The, mm-hmm. the dude leading the charge was Arn Anderson. Dangerous yeah. Alliance, the next faction. Yeah. With, which the Dangerous Alliance, I mean, you could almost argue. I mean, they were almost more powerful than the Horsemen. I mean, you know, they they but, they weren't together long, but what they were able to do when you know while they were together, and you've had you know, you have this group of guys that you didn't think had anything in common, but they all worked so good together. And like you know, Arn and Bobby Eaton, who had feuded against each other, you know, mm-hmm. they were friends in real life, but they had feuded against each other when the midnight express and the horsemen were feuding, but then they were seamlessly became a tag team and won the tag titles. And not, well, not just friends. They were also neighbors too. That's mm-hmm. come out 
Talk about one of the most boring wrestlers ever, Larry Sabisco. <laughs> yes. Him, yeah, him and Arn. That is the only time. Honestly, that was the only time that I've ever liked Larry Zabisco. Was when he was tag when he was tagging with Arn when they were when they were the enforcers and they were tag champions. That oh he was I, I still can't watch a Zabisco match. Oh Zabisco, I mean it really sounds kind of bad because he's actually a former AWA world champion, but it was yeah. like right before they shut down. Yeah. But his well, really his big peak was actually at the beginning of his career with Bruno because Bruno yeah. was the one who trained him, and then Zabisco yep. turned on him. Yeah, and that was like huge business back then. So didn't they have a they didn't have a cage match at Chase Stadium? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Sold it out. Hogan Andre on the undercard. That, that's right. It that's was. right. Yeah, very same one. But and yeah, Sabisco walking snooze button. Terrible to have on television. <laughs> terrible, terrible ringing out uh, color commentary. He, he was better as a color commentator than he was a wrestler. I agree. I agree. Yeah, because uh, all of a sudden I, he became he became like super popular when he was a commentator because they would start cheering. He'd have to stand up and yeah, he'd wave stand at up everybody and, the, and then yeah. he'd sit back down. And apparently <laughs> they actually see, told him to stop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Z, you know, for mm-hmm. the and, Yeah. And, and then he got that that match with Scott Hall, who's oh, his yeah. buddy. Yeah. Ah, because they, they went back back to the AWA days. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But Arn Anderson made it Paul Roma, who made news tearing Hulk Hogan a new a second behind. Here uh, recently, yeah, day. he did. Yep. Mm-hmm. I did see that. Uh, Trashed him up, down, sideways, really good. He made Paul Roma a, a credible horseman because that was his tag team partner. Yeah, yeah. credible. I mean, I mean, that's it's still Paul well, Roma. I, I mean, he made Paul <laughs> Roma as credible as Paul Roma was ever going to be. Okay, there you go. <laughs> because, I mean, he was a job guy in WWE. And then, because you know, even you know, him and Jim Powers were the young stallions, but they were the job team for the stars. Yep. Well, Power and Glory, not they weren't a great team, but I love their finishing move. I liked Power and Glory. That's the only thing that I've liked. That's the only time I've liked Paul Roma was Power and Glory. I did love the Powerplex. Powerplex is awesome. But as far as like Kyle was saying, as far as like. Credible being a credible star in wrestling, teaming with Arn is as close as he got. That's true, I, well, yeah. I give I give him that, and I give him a little bit when he teamed with Paul Orndorff. But oh, that's it. pretty pretty. He wonderful. doesn't team. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't team with Paul Orndorff unless he gets that horseman rub from. That's Arn. true. That's true. Yeah, he got the rub from Arn first, and he was able to carry that to actually a couple more tag titles with Paul Orndorff. That's pretty wonderful. Yep, but. That power and glory, the uh, uh, the shirts they sold in the they were muscle shirts, yeah, half muscle shirts that were really yeah. big. Those ridiculous glasses, <laughs> yeah, the the, yeah. Like, the slanted oh. type glass, yeah. <clears throat> um, and Good. you know, talking about the dangerous alliance, 
you know, because Paul Roman wasn't part of that because I think but they didn't want him part of it. But just look, look at this list of names. You had Paul E. Dangerously mm-hmm. as the, the manager. Of course, you know, Paul Heyman. Arn, Bobby Eaton, Zabisco, uh, Rick Rude, Steve Austin, and Medusa. Yep. Medusa was part. I mean, and Michael yeah. Hayes, he was a manager at one point. But I mean, but you look at that list of names. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Arguably, I mean, you bump that up against the horsemen. I mean, and it's, they're both. And I mean, yeah. And at one time, Rude was the United States champion. Arn and Bobby were the tag champions. Mm-hmm. And Austin was the world television champion. Yep. So, I mean, that was, and, and Arn, but Arn was the one who really, once again, he was kind of the glue mm-hmm. that held yep. that together. Yep. You know, so you want to talk about somebody, and Arn had a great singles run. You talk about the World Television Championship, and he's known for that. You say World TV Champion, you automatically mm-hmm. think Arn. Yep. You know, it's like, who's the one that was the greatest TV champion? Arn. Yep. But tag team champion, I mean, all the people he held the championship with. Yeah. I mean, that were there says something. So, I mean, he really could do just about everything there was. And then, and of course, later on with, and Kyle and I have talked about this first, well, the war games happened after Arn retired because that's when Kurt Henning replaced Arn because Arn gave him his spot. Yeah. That, that whole discussion. So the, the end of his career. So, Steve, you're a military guy. One thing all military retirees have is neck, back, and knee pain. <laughs> That's why I have I'm on sixty percent disability. Probably could have got so, more. The the story, if it's true, I heard it was in a gym. The way he tells the story, it was in a gym. But no matter what someone smacked him on the back and his arms went numb. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, he said he, he said he was, he was curling and yeah, somebody slapped him on the back and his arm just went numb. Yeah. I was like, Hey, Arn, how you doing? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had that happening. Uh, I was helping someone move a piano and some girl from the church smacked me on the back and said, Oh, good job. Way to help out. It takes two of them. And then you're on this side. That smack, when I was engaged in the lift, hurt so bad. Mm. And I dropped my end because I went completely numb. Mm. Why would she hit you in the back when, I mean, even if it is a friendly gesture, while you're lifting something that heavy anyway? (laughs) Because uh, etiquette with lifting um is non-existent (laughs) yes yes not so it was meant to be a compliment right it turned out to be a sharp pain (laughs) (laughs) so i i could tell you some gym stories for your other podcasts that i had 560 pounds on my back the other day and onto us and some dummy came right underneath the weight and I just looked over and you would have thought I was about to kill somebody because if looks could kill I would have done it you have to be out of your mind to get under a bar with that much weight oh. and 
So the pain that he had to feel in his neck, that is scary. Yeah. So imagine whiplash from an accident and just living like that. And constant. Mm. So he would have been, uh, if I'm right, pre-Austin, because Austin injured his uh, at SummerSlam 97, right around this time. The same time. You know what? I'm going to have to look at the dates. Uh, because Arn would have been the first neck surgery that, like, really they came out with, right? Did uh, yeah. Right uh, that too? Dane Malenko had one, but they never mentioned it. It was yeah. never. It, it wasn't mentioned until after Arn had his, and they were trying to reform the Horseman. Yeah. And they they like zoomed in. I remember during a little interview thing they were doing, they zoomed in on Dean Malenko's neck, and you could see the scar where where he'd had surgery. But yeah, Arns was the first real neck surgery that you really heard about, and um, at least that I heard about in wrestling. I mean, you hear years to come. You heard about him on a pretty regular basis, sadly. But yeah, Arns was the first one that I really that they had really talked about a whole lot on television as somebody yeah. having, you know, major neck surgery. There had been <clears throat> broken necks mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. wrestling, especially ECW. Surprise there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he, he was the first one I remember, like, they have neck surgery and they still come out. Like, yeah. what's a neck fusion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, SummerSlam in nineteen ninety seven was on August third that year. Uh, you know, so, so so the injury happened not long before Arn retired. But the gym incident, you know, with somebody, you know, just friendly gesture, you know, made his arms go numb. May have it was all right about the same time. So, and that was post surgery. Yeah. So one uh, probably in the gym a little too early. But that's the nature of his generation of wrestler. So they they all came back because that's how you got paid. Yeah, yeah. If you weren't wrestling, you didn't get paid. So, yeah. so you ha- you have that. He's worried about his spot. Probably training too early before he was healthy. Has that happened? And then they do this retirement thing. One of the most not memorable non-NWO segments in all of Nitro. Yeah. yeah. I just wish that I wish they hadn't have turned it into I wish they had just let him have his moment and retire without having to turn it into an angle for, you know, the NWO, especially when, you know, he gives Kurt Henning his spot. And then Kurt turns on him at the pay-per-view to join the NWO. And then it's like, I don't know. I'm just like, as much as Arn had given to the business, I think he deserved to get just make yeah. this about Arn and not, and leave the storyline stuff for the next week. And yeah, they, uh, they did that. Um, I think Bischoff just did a podcast on this Monday. Uh, about Arn Anderson and his his spot, so the story behind it. 
Mm-hmm. The original War Games was supposed to be WCW guys that included Ric Flair, but not the Horsemen. Mm-hmm. So at this point, was this Bischoff like going after Flair for whatever reason it was? Because he did have an issue with Flair throughout his last couple of years, or because it it doesn't seem to be something against Arn. No, and it was, uh, it was actually Terry Taylor's idea for the the parody, and he actually Terry Taylor didn't think. He, he wasn't thinking, oh, it's going to be insulting to him. He just thought it was funny, but he should have realized as old as, I mean, grown adult should have realized that's not funny because, I mean, that was a genuine thing. That was real emotion out there the prior week. And here's the other ironic thing. The cooler Kevin Nash was holding. That was Arn's. That was Arn's cooler. <laughs> yeah, that was Arn's cooler. Uh, because he uh, said, hey, Arn, let me let me use your cooler. We're going to do the Okay. And he went out there. And so Arn was a little heated when he came back and after they had yeah. Implied that he was a, a drunk, you know. They, they said they said later on when they actually had like a a match, and Arn kind of gave uh, Nash a receipt, and uh, but yeah, Nash was like, "Talk about a receipt." And he's like, "It was Arn's cooler that I used in the <laughs> in the yeah. in the promos, though." Like uh, pro- promo wise, that was really the first like parody of of its kind because the DX stuff happened the next year. That's right. That was uh, after that. Yep. And then uh, they became regular in skits. But the parody, the biggest thing in the parody was how they made fun of Flair for being a, a giant crybaby. Yeah. Yeah. He does cry at everything. I mean, he really does. He does. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, I'd cry too if I was married five times and had that much alimony to pay out every month. Which he does. Yeah. <laughs> he really does. But um, the I liked Mongo Conan when he played Mongo with the football, just throwing it up in the air and running <laughs> around. <laughs> and Buff Bagwell. What's sad is he had all the potential to be a star. Buff did. That character should have been that top hat. Uh, I would have wore that top hat to work in '98. You can buy the. <laughs> you can still buy the top hat. Yes, you can. He he told us that uh, personally. He yeah. did tell us that. So, yeah. which is wild well, to that, think that he told us that. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, but anyway. Top Hat, I don't know a soul that watched uh, WCW in that time that didn't like the Top Hat. Oh, yeah. The Buff the, the, the buff Bagwell gimmick was great. Yeah. So, uh, but Kevin Nash is Arn Anderson. I watched this before uh, we started. I just... It, it wasn't a good parody of him personally. Like, where did he come up with all these things? And, oh, the, and the why? spot, the liver spot. Yeah. Yeah. I bellied up to the bar, and a fat woman came up to me. That's right. I said a fat broad. 
because that's all the horsemen can get. <laughs> and really, after the NWO Invitational, where they crowned Miss NWO, at the first sold out. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So that what what was the point? Like some of that was beyond like funny. Some of that plus some of that too was like their way of just trying to get rid of the horsemen because yep. Eric Bischoff had been trying to kill off the horsemen for a few years because he didn't think that there was any value in the horsemen, even though they generally got the biggest pop anytime mm -hmm. they came out. But Bischoff just didn't see the value in the horsemen, which tells you Bischoff's thinking. Of course, he didn't see any value in Steve Austin either, and you see how that worked out. But I think that was a lot of that was to just humiliate the horsemen. I mean, aren't included. Um, Bischoff has said that he wished he could go back and change it, and I I hope he's sincere about that. But it I believe he is. I've I've heard him say that on his podcast, and I haven't listened to his yeah. podcast in a long time. But he has talked about some things he wished he would have done different mm -hmm. back when he was in charge. And and at the time, he was just you know he had unlimited power over the company, and he was trying to put Vince out of business. So he was going to do anything he could regardless of you know who he had to humiliate or roll over to get that done so i think that was just i think it was just a huge shot at the horseman and as a whole as a whole you see the difference uh with with the whole angle uh we'll call it that the parody the horseman never got any get back no, Never. Didn't. Yeah. And, and like the entire time that the NWO, especially when the NWO was really hot when it first started through like, say, like mid 98, before they started adding like half the WCW roster to <laughs> yeah. the NWO. Yeah. The Horsemen never got their receipt ever. They, you know, they'd always get beat up. They'd always, always. get jumped, jumped by the NWO. And we're never allowed to, you know, get their receipt. And it's like, you're just making, these are supposed to be your heroes fighting against this, these invaders, and you're just making them look weak. And then and they, that, killed, they killed wrestling in Greensboro with, you know, the, the cage door up against yes. Flair's head. Yes. Slamming the door on Flair's head. Yeah. Will absolutely argue while a shock. Uh, it didn't just kill Greensboro. That was the beginning of the end for WCW. Because that told you your company I, I, heroes were not going to beat the NWO. Yeah, I can see that because yeah. that's it like, and, and like Kurt Henning leaving the horseman and jumping to the NWO, that it's like it opened the floodgates and it was just like, okay, like every other week we've got somebody else, yep. WCW jump into the NWO and it's like you're just you're like you said Kyle you're making your heroes look weak you're just telling the audience they're never going to win but you're also taking this super heel group that was red hot and you're just watering uh -huh. it down so and you know it's like they it's like they used Arn to 
try to make the NWO bigger, and I feel like they just kind of disrespected Arn's legitimate retirement. Yeah, and wasted potential story, you know, potential storylines that could have that could have made things better. They the storytelling from Arn's retirement. So, uh, War Games was one of the last pay per views I got to watch. Um, so I knew Flair and Bischoff, Starcade, but I didn't get to watch it. Sting Hogan at Starcade, but I didn't get to watch it. So by the time that happened, I was just graduating basic training. So I missed most of that. I heard about it over letter. You won't believe what they did. Uh, <laughs> they ruined it and that and the other. WCW never told a story. And War Games, if you remember War Games all the way back to the first one, the heels always got their their canuppets. Yes. Yep. And if I don't know if y'all realize, if you notice, all of the successful War Games that the Horsemen were involved in, Arn Anderson started every oh, one of those. Yeah. Arn Anderson was the one who set the pace for the entire War Games match. And you have, like, Arn Anderson in War Games, that history. I remember the Horsemen and the Stinger Squadron mm-hmm. with Ryan, yep. Flying Ryan and yep. Sid Vicious bouncing that head off the top of the cage and powerbombing mm-hmm. him into the ground. Yes, because yeah. he, he almost killed him. I mean... Yeah, because that was... Yeah, that was nasty. Yeah. And... So you, you have those moments where in the concept of the story, the heels won because the baby faces gave a valiant effort mm-hmm. and Flying Brian could like take no more. And really right. it was Ellie Higante who gave up, not, yeah. not Brian Pillman. But with the war games with Greensboro, the NWO, that wasn't even the NWOB team at that time. Like Conan was being built, but he was nothing special yet. Not right. till last year. Bagwell had potential, but he was essentially an American male. Uh, Six was the worker. You know why mm-hmm. he was there. Yeah. But none of them got like what they deserved. Right. Exactly. Yep. And that should have been the chink in the armor that showed the NWO could be beaten. And then you take that into Starcade and Sting beats Hogan clean. Yeah. And they they never did it. Greensboro, I don't think Greensboro has sold out since in a wrestling show. Uh, that's something I'd have to. Yeah, I'd have to look. Check. I'm not sure, but I know, I know for a while there though they killed. Oh, they struggled. They, yeah, yeah, they killed that town with that angle. I mean, and that's Greensboro. You know, one of the wrestling yeah, towns. That's what. Yeah, especially in the you know early to mid '80s, that was mm-hmm. you know one of the the hotbeds for pro wrestling. But when WCW finally shut its doors and everybody screamed hallelujah and 
Arn went to work for WWE and he was a uh, uh, one of the backstage, you know, producers, talent, you know, mm-hmm. the, um, an agent. And along the way, he did one more wrestling move when he spine bustered Undertaker at WrestleMania 18, I believe. No, yeah. not 18. Oh, was it 18? The one it was in Toronto, I believe. Yes, it was 18. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because it was Undertaker versus Flair. Yeah, and Arn slid in just perfect. All of a sudden, just shoop, boom. And caught him with the spine buster, and it was it was beautiful. Yeah. And think about this. Arn with a bad neck. I mean, with documented bad neck. And a and, bad hand. And a bad right. hand. Yeah. And he did a spine buster to the Undertaker, who was, a, what, a legit 6'9", six, 6'10"? Six, yeah, I think 6'10 uh, and a half, almost 6'11", and like... Probably 320, 325. Yeah. And Arn just still spun like he had never lost a lost a beat. Just boom. Yeah. And dropped him. And, and recently AEW, he he's come in and and laid one down. Has he? Okay. I haven't I haven't yes, seen he did. that one. Yes, he did. Yep. Yep, he did. But and as a talent producer, he's responsible for probably the greatest star of our current generation john cena yeah really i that didn't was, know that that about that, Arn. that was cena's personal agent okay so i mean you know what i couldn't think of anybody really better to show cena you know really no. sit him down and you know show him okay here's it i'm gonna take you under my wing and you're gonna do what i tell you and you're gonna become a star and cena obviously you know he kind of did <laughs> you yeah. know, one arguably one of the biggest names ever. Just a little bit. Um, but Arn is just, uh, my opinion, Arn Anderson is the greatest wrestler to never be a world heavyweight champion. He, Arn had everything. I mean, you know, they they talk about, you know, people having all the tools. Arn legitimately had everything. It's just, Arn was one of those people i feel like arn was one of those people that he everything he did was for the betterment of the business and not so much himself i feel like he wasn't a very egotistical guy as far as you know i want to be world champion you know in spite of everybody else i think arn arn knew his role so to speak and he he played that role very well and everything, everything he did was to entertain the people who had spent their money to see him wrestle. I'll go greatest wrestler without drug problems to have never won a world. Okay, I give you <laughs> so, that because yeah. Arn, for me, Arn is number Arn's number one, and then Scott Hall is number two of the best wrestler to never win a world world championship. I got um, Jake the Snake. Million man. I think if Hogan hadn't have been in the way, I think Jake could have won the WWF title. But uh, DiBiase also could have. Yeah, but they weren't going to give it to either one of those two while Hogan was the meal ticket. So that don't work. That don't work for me, brother. Yeah. Then, uh, then Arn and, and Scott Hall. He he had moments, but I could see why. He yeah, did. especially later in his career, I could see why they didn't put the world title on him. Um, because I mean it would have been a liability considering his personal issues. 
but he did, just, he did all the drugs. Yeah, but just talent wise and charisma, Mike skills, just everything. Yeah, you know, he had it all. Now, if Arn is three inches taller, world champion, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, Arn, I didn't realize this. It sounds small by like a wrestler standards. Dwayne Arn's our height. He's six one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And Kyle, uh, how tall are you? Five eleven. And so, so pretty close, same height. Yeah. I mean, we're all three. The and Arn is our height. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's got a lot more muscle, and you don't think about it because Arn was not like a super jacked up guy. But I mean, he you could tell. I mean, he worked out, and he was he was on a football team in high school, and you yeah. know he. He, and he was a legitimate athlete and, you know, and I think that's why he became so good. And like you said, he was very giving. He was not, uh, he was not selfish at all in the ring. You know, no. um, he'll tell you, he lost more matches than he won because he said, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. He's you know? like, I, he's like, I'm a heel. I'm supposed to lose. Yeah. The good guy's supposed to win. You know, the good guy's supposed to beat me. That's how, that's how the story goes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he'd said, and so, and that actually, when he, when they first went to WWE, him and Tully, he said they were wrestling the same matches like they did in WCW where they were giving some to their opponents, mm-hmm. you know, so that way their opponents would look legit. And so when they beat them, it'd make them look better. He said the first time they did that, Barry Darso was waiting for him when he got backstage because him and Arn were really good friends. He said, come here. He said, you can't do that here. He said, these are squash matches. You're supposed to squash them, you know, but Arn's his nature was not, you know, to squash. So he, he said, unfortunately, he had to do that. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is his character, and, and it, we think about this when Arn passes away. Um, the man's clearly had a falling out with Ric Flair, and yeah, they've actually I, talked about that. Yeah, but I think he's it, come out about he he doesn't demean Flair's lifestyle, his womanizing, his money habits. Um, he just leaves it be. Even Vince Vicious, who attacked him with the squeegee, you've never really heard Arn Anderson put Sid Vicious down in a podcast. Oh no, it wasn't squeegee. It was scissors. Yeah, stabbed him with scissors. Yeah, Arn has never really. I mean, not say he hasn't acknowledged it, but yeah, he just doesn't discuss it. It's like it happened. It's done. I'm a professional. I'm going to go about my business and still, you know, do what I'm asked to do. Now, somebody did, somebody did attack somebody else with a squeegee though. And I'm trying to remember who that was now. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> but, I heard that too, but I can't remember who it was. Uh, but yeah. Did Arn, did he, did they have a reunion right before Flair's last match? Like a horseman reunion? Uh, they did. Cause you could take, um, when they were in Nashville, uh, you could take pictures with the horsemen, and Arn was there. Arn, Tully, uh, Barry, Flair, of course, and uh, JJ Dillon. Because I saw some pictures on Twitter where people had gotten uh, paid to get their picture taken with them. And and you know how Joylan really knew about all that? He was there. Yeah, <laughs> he, was was there. Some, he was there. He was there at SummerSlam. Yeah, I was at SummerSlam. Yeah. Oh. I didn't see any photos of the flare match. I did see, <laughs> uh, I, I did see the the seating arrangements uh, at SummerSlam. Yeah, but 
he, you really don't like he's a he's got the four horsemen symbol the trademark now yes he created it yeah he was, he was the creator of it and finally gets some money off it but even even Tully who honestly cost him what a hundred and fifty thousand dollars by failing a drug test something like that yeah something, something like that yeah because uh yeah when they were supposed to come they were going to come back and reform the horseman and then Tully failed his drug test and then wcw um pulled tully's offer and lowered arns yeah but Arn had already committed to coming back, so he came back yep. anyway. So he he hasn't really bashed him either. No, he hasn't. Arn hasn't bashed anybody, and and the way wrestling is, where wrestlers, especially now that you know podcasts are ready readily available for somebody to jump on and talk about whatever gripe they have, you never hear Arn have a bad word about anybody. Unless, uh-huh. unless it's just, unless it's just legitimate about like if it's somebody that's just you know unprofessional or unsafe in the ring or something like that, right? Because he did mention like one of his early podcasts, and it was like a one-time incident, and it was nowhere mm-hmm. near as bad as you know him, him and Sid getting all stabby with each other in London. <laughs> yeah, but it was he got into it um, with Disco Inferno. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I can I can understand that too. I can yeah. understand that too. Yeah, and that's just based on the name Disco Inferno. That and <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> Glenn Gilberti is just he's just an annoying human being. I've listened to some he's been on uh Busting Open and I've listened to some of his his stuff and it's like dude, you never drew a dime, but you act like that you were this huge star in wrestling and it's like just just accept the fact that you were a bit player you made a decent living you were were (laughs) mid 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 card at best yeah you were yeah but he's still a million dollar career earner now he is because i mean he's doing podcast stuff and he's actually become better known for the podcast stuff um in wcw he was making three hundred thousand a year Inferno was. Inferno was. So yeah, I, I heard uh, he got. Back. Here's the thing, though. He was also very good friends with Hall and Nash. If you were good friends oh, with Hall and Nash, oh, that'll do it. You got paid because they made sure you got paid. So that didn't stop him from getting fired for failing to job. <laughs> to that that is true. Yeah. Uh, he 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 can be an annoying human being and mm-hmm. he's got political leanings and some people side one way other people side another way i don't Mine's think the not. issue was that it was just a habit on the bus he was enzo on, yes. on the bus before there you go, wow. there, you go. Yeah. there there you go yep so everyone occasionally needs a can of act a get right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, you know, speaking of the whole thing with Arn and Flair, Flair's actually said, he said when Reed passed away, you mm-hmm. know, Reed died of an overdose, he said Arn was one of the people who did not reach out to him. Mm-hmm. And, well, yep. 
And that, mm-hmm. he said that's why Flair had kind of, you know, was kind of on the outs with. Now it appears like they probably have at least somewhat made mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, just because, I mean, they have so much history together. And like, I'm pretty sure Arn would not have said, well, the heck with you, Flair. I don't, you know, care, you know. Um, so, I mean, I would think that they work those issues out because Flair also knows he's 73 years old mm-hmm. and he finally had, well, his last match, we'll say last match. I hope it was his last match. Yeah. He passed out twice during the match. Yeah. Dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. He passed out because he's 73 and had no business being in the, being exactly. in the room. For, for Arn, the, the story allegedly goes that he was being honest with Flair about his son's personal activities. Triple H was one that was mm. honest. Hey, your son's uh, shooting some drugs into his veins. He's going to have a drug test. If he doesn't clean up, he's not. We have a scheduled drug test. Mm-hmm. Flair was in denial over the habits. Which makes <laughs> sense. Which makes sense because Flair was in denial on his own habits. So. Yeah. Um, you, you look at that and you see um, someone who's into that, someone's doing that, try, living in denial, doesn't want to hear the truth, and then the consequence of those actions happen. What are you supposed to say that you didn't say to prevent the issue from happening? Yeah. Right. And Flair's burned so many bridges with people over the years that, yeah. I mean – you got you got to take what whatever Flair says too. I've learned, especially in his later years, you've got to take that with like a whole container of salt because Flair's going to embellish it. Flair's always going to embellish it to make himself look good. Yep. At, at the expense of others. So I mean, who knows if I mean Arn may not have reached out, but Arn may have reached out, and maybe it was a more of a Flair didn't respond when Arn reached out or Which whatever so could have, i mean that could have possibly happened also yeah you know but you know like i said i really hope they did make you know make up and now i'm glad to see Arn is back training i guess with aew mm-hmm. you yeah know, he's so. a yeah he's a coach he's a coach over there him and uh dustin rhodes has been working yeah. a lot with the women's division and qt so, marshall qt marshall yeah so Arn has had definitely had a Hall of Fame career. Uh, I'm glad he was inducted as part of the Horsemen. I would still like to see him inducted yep. as himself. a single as a yeah. singles wrestler because I mean he definitely has a Hall of Fame singles career, yeah. and I would like to see him inducted into a Hall of Fame as a singles wrestler. And now the Triple H is mm-hmm. running things you know because that's actually well that could be an episode about the hall of fame what will happen with that now that is true uh, because yeah. triple h goes he looks at talent he doesn't look you know he, he may look at the people who should be in the hall of fame like ivan koloff whose birthday was today mm-hmm. you now ivan koloff and then he could look at also look at arn because triple h you can tell he's an arn fan yeah just from his moves i mean um and they may go, you know what? He made a mistake with Alicia Fox. And some people don't know 
why Arn got fired from WWE because he was Alicia Fox's agent. He allowed her to work when she was supposedly intoxicated, which yeah. Alicia Fox, yeah, her issues with alcohol have been well yeah. documented. Yeah. You know, and so that's Arn. If he did it, you know, which he won't talk about it. He's got a non-disclosure. Arn's got a non-disclosure agreement with Vince McMahon. Yeah. Go figure. I don't Both think it's for, I don't think it's for the same reasons everybody uh, else has. Yeah, but. yeah, not for the same reasons, but yeah, but. he has one. But I, I honestly, I don't think Arn would talk about it anyway, Probably because not. I think that I think he's got enough respect for Alicia Fox that that would, you know, talking about talking about her issues without her permission. I don't think he would do right. that. I just think he's more he's a lot more of a professional than that. Yeah, and I honestly. I may be in the minority. I like Alicia Fox. She know. had the the uh, she has the best Northern Light suplex yes. ever. The the technique, the bridge, everything was fantastic. That that's a whole discussion on the one women's match that we were given throughout most of our fandom. So having two women's matches is relatively new on Monday Night Raw. Especially having one that lasts longer than like two or three minutes. Yeah. Or having so, a tournament tournament that lasts longer than five minutes. Yeah. Total, total time. I mean the the uh the semifinal tag team match for the women's tag titles this past Monday lasted longer than the entire tournament for the Queen's Crown. Yeah. But then again, clown shoes. Yeah, Cal, I'm pretty sure you've you've heard us. Clown shoes. That's John Laurinaitis. That's his yeah. name now from now on. That's <laughs> because uh, <coughs> clown shoes is no longer running anything. Yeah, clown, clown shoes should have never been running anything after the stories came out the first time he was taken. <laughs> yes. out. I, I yes. agree. I hundred percent agree. He, I, I can't believe he married the Bella's mom. Oh, I can. After he was talking about how hot the Bellas were, yeah. he was like, right? You have a mother. I could see him. He's got peepholes in the bathroom at the yeah. family house. Uh, he's a creeper for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, so he, not a not a fan of Mr. Laurenitis. Not even when he was with the dudes with attitudes. Duh. The only thing I will ever give him credit for is creating the cutter. It's the only yeah. thing I'll give him credit for. He was the yeah. one who created the cutter. I mean, other people have improved upon it but he invented that move i'll give him credit for being road warrior animals brother that's about it uh, now nah, i can't even get him credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no because he he doesn't look like road warrior like that's that. that's true you're right i mean yeah so maybe they have different dads no because they're both named laurinitis uh, so Maybe different moms. Uh, I may no. Okay, I could, I could. <laughs> I'll go with that that's, one. Like that's possible. Yeah. But yeah, he, he, he was something else. Uh, like just working in the WWE environment for twenty years, backstage, knowing what is now coming out, and even the stuff that hasn't come out yet, because there's a whole goodie box of stuff that's not come out yet. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, this is a man with that character survived in that environment (laughs) for that long. Well, because the owner had the same character, so he was able to, you know, he had no, 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 referring to Arn. Oh, you're talking about oh, Arn, yeah, Arn, yeah, yeah, working in that environment, 
That is true. Yeah. And I think that says something about the character of Marty Lundy. Yeah. You know, himself to not give an effect. You know what, um, Dwayne, the guy who started talking about the stuff in AEW, as you were texting me, mm-hmm. you know, he was telling me and another guy that he actually used to work in a hotel in Louisville. And it was one of the hotels that the wrestlers uh, sometimes would come stay in when they had events. And he actually met Arn Anderson. Oh, okay. You know, and he said he was a super nice guy, you know, very friendly, talked to him. Uh, he said a couple others, like he said, Dusty Rose, he wasn't unfriendly, but he just mm-hmm. wasn't real talkative. Yeah. Um, and he had also met like, met like Mike Tomlin. He said yeah. another one who was not very friendly. Yeah. You know, um, and, but yeah, but he said Arn Anderson, he said he was super good guy, yeah. you know, so, and I'm, and I'm glad to hear something like that because he seems like he is like one of, even though he was a bad guy in the ring, mm-hmm. but he's one of the good guys in wrestling, like good guys, like life-wise. Yeah. And you, you heard a lot of that with the Bobby Eaton uh, memorial show. Yeah. That uh, that that's another high quality human being. You don't attract that type of person without being a person of similar character. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, yep. and that he's still helping take care of Bobby Eaton's family, wife, kids. Well, Bobby, Eaton, Bobby Eaton's wife passed away a month before he did. Um, well, so he's, well, he's probably definitely taking care of the kids and grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, yeah, cause that was like, I'm going to say Bobby Eaton, he died of a broken heart because I mean, he and his wife. Oh, I'm sure. Her, yeah. You know, um, yeah, that was Bill Dundee's daughter that he was married yeah. to, but yeah. But yeah, Aaron, I mean, he talks about him and Bobby being neighbors, you know, not like right next door, but just mm-hmm. like two or three Same neighborhood. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And because they lived in kind of a cul-de-sac the way he was talking, but uh, they would, one of their houses would always have like kids running in and out, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. they would always hanging out, you know, so Bobby always had candy for the kids. Cause you hear these stories about Bobby. He always had something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and, uh, and the fact that he and Arn, like you said, Kyle, he and Arn are, you know, they were best friends. You know, so that that kind of likeness, both good people. Yeah. And, you know, so I'd be glad to see Arn, like I said, Dwayne, go in the Hall of Fame by himself, mm-hmm. you know, even though he's well deserving with the horseman. Yes. You know, but also well deserving with his own slot. Mm-hmm. And when the AEW, I'm pretty sure AEW, they're not going to, they're not going away anytime soon. No. You know, so they no. may get it to the point where they end up like with a Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Arn would probably definitely go in that for helping train. Yeah. You know, like the new people, because Arn gets the business. And I really wish, you know, we have more people kind of study Arn's technique in the ring, study his promos and just everything that he did. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm glad, Kyle, that you, when you texted and say, hey, I have an idea for a show on this particular date because it's the date his retirement. I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. That and, and it's something. Uh, FTR is uh, a group that studies a lot of what Arn did. Yes. 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 And it really shows in their in their matches. It makes them unique. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. They don't sell for anything. I almost cursed there. Um, <laughs> they don't sell moves the way they should. But that may be the AEW style. But tag team wrestling, picking a body part, 
Mm -hmm. other things except for the mannerism um i remember arn anderson with the throat thing before anyone else did that yes and now they can't really do that because of just like tv type of laws but um but yeah i do need to go ahead and wrap this up you know but yeah thank you kyle for the suggestion thank you yeah thank you so because i mean we've been talking about you coming on for a while and we were finally able to make it happen and it was a perfect perfect opportunity you know it's so. always fun like i said uh in the emails Dwaylin is your perfect co-host uh compliments you uh, it balances out the show uh it makes it better thank you i appreciate that for real thank you uh, i am uh still up to way too much and trying to just like i said uh, my son's embarrassed of his diagnosis, and I'm trying to prove to him that it's no big deal. Right. And that is, I I maintain too much of a schedule. Right. So, um, we we get it because we've got <laughs> Steve and I both have a lot going on mm-hmm. too. So it's uh, school, it's work. It's volunteering, then it's in the gym. I'm training people, uh, staying busy, and working with a group uh, with other kids with diagnoses, an underserved population, to say that, to say the least. Right. Just trying to do something and honestly carrying um, any type of character although I don't communicate the best, uh, there's a lot of people that carry burdens that they don't talk about. And I know a lot of people that have committed suicide because of it, including my own brother. So that's something I I carry. My teammates are aware of it. Uh, That's just trying to make a difference in my little part of the world. Right. And that that's my contribution. Uh, you guys are meant to podcast. And, and that's a great thing. And to see you guys on the top 200, top 80, um, interviewing Buff, I wish you guys got progressive overload. That was something. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think about that you know, until you mentioned it to us. And I was like, ah, well. I mean, we were, um, we were still shocked. I mean, I still have his number in my phone. I, <laughs> you know, just cause I'm like, I got buff bag. I'm not going to call him because he may go <laughs> with this. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. And you know, this is not going to be the last time you're going to be on here. Oh no, yeah. definitely not. Uh, I, I did train to be a wrestler. I think we should do a, an angle with NWF. Um, that'd be fun. Get get all three of us out there. You can be your your manager. <laughs> um, if you can, we can talk to Rock. Because I've actually suggested some things through Noah. Noah's like you know Gabriel. He's the person I've talked to about things. Uh, but Roger, you know, I don't know how receptive he is because I've tried to push some things through Noah to him. How receptive he is to somebody who's not there with him that he doesn't know oh, yeah you know not, so 
Um, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, we could try. I mean, well, I was going to say the worst thing they could do is say no, but the worst thing to do is say, you know what, get out of my building. You know, <laughs> um, it's a but, great set of stories, you know, uh, being dumb at 19 years old, trying to train to be a wrestler with all the other guys in the dorms uh, and going out to Dundalk, Maryland, which is a trash hole of Maryland, but that's where they did their training center. And you know what? That's kind of saying something because Maryland has a lot of trash holes. <laughs> uh, my dog was something else back in 99. That was on the band oh. list. Uh, so all sorts of fun. And just doing something would be, you know, a show, NWA reunion down in North Carolina. Uh, they, they got that. Um, a big show somewhere. And you know, WrestleMania up in Philadelphia next year. Well, two years now. I'm say, I think next year it's Los Angeles. Okay, I didn't realize that they've already got it scheduled for the next year in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. though. Yep. Yeah, somehow I missed that. They're going to start selling tickets for Philadelphia here shortly. And you're fairly close to Philadelphia. Fairly. Um, I could throw a football to Pennsylvania from my house. Let's so say, I yeah. And I'm. I'm very close to Pennsylvania, but I've got none of the freedom or taxes because I'm still on the Maryland side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maryland, I do remember that. But anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, we will definitely have to to get another date for you to be on the show. This has been an absolutely great show. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I, yeah, perfect topic, you know, and perfect time for you to come back. And I will have to announce everybody listening. I will not have we, you know, I I will not be able to record next Monday because my wife is having surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to try to record that she should be well enough for me to record on Thursday. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to say that one's a absolute guarantee, but I'm definitely going to try it because I mean, she more more likely she'll be okay by the Monday. I'm not even going to try it. No, I would. That's either. the day. Yeah, that's the day she is having her surgery. So yeah, I'm not even going to bother with the podcast uh but kyle once again thank you for coming on yeah thank you no this has been great and i would say everybody good good gotta say goodbye for now until next monday and if i don't see you god bless god bless